Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the long talk here on New Zealand Sports Radio. And today I've got a cracker because one of the sports that is kicking off first is going to be netball. And today I get to chat with Phil Viber, who is the CEO of the Northern Zone and CEO of Northern Mystics. How are you doing, sir? Very good, thank you. And um, the so let's go way, way back then. And what is your first sporting memory? Uh, first sporting memory, well, probably um, the All Whites in, in the early 80s is... is um, front of mind when, when you ask that question I th- as a young kid at that time that was a pretty exciting um, period of fit for New Zealand sport that I that I remember um, so that, you know, that way- would have been road to Spain kind of yeah yep yeah I guess 81 around that sort of area into 82 um, would be my first recollection of really getting in behind uh, sport in some way um, and then you know through um that watching, getting up, watching All Black matches, um, that sort of stuff. Um, I had a, a wide and varied interest in sport right from a young kid that I've sort of kept up right through to today, really. Yes, and we'll, we'll see the range of sports you've worked in um, as well. So, so you, yeah, you're, you're another one hot Milo in front of the fire watching All Blacks tests in South Africa and Europe, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, then getting out and trying to, replicate it myself um but I always played played soccer early on and, and cricket were probably my two uh first loves if you like mm-hmm. especially cricket was probably the main thing that I really um gravitated to as a youngster um love watching Martin Crow play um and sort of um you know carried on from there with my with my sport involvement did you play to any kind of level. I mean, you see, you um, you're, you're from. Um, uh, I see you at Palmerston North, so I took you're, you're, you're from that, uh, that, that that part of the woods. Yeah, yeah. So I, it was probably when I went to. Uh, for some reason, my parents decided to send me off to boarding school when I was um, 
uh, what standard four? What's that? Year six these days. Uh, so I went to Huntley School just out of Palmerston North, mm-hmm. um, and really took to sport there heavily, um, cricket especially. Um, Matthew Sinclair was in the in, in the at the school at that time, so he and I were in the same teams growing up. Um, although he quickly advanced a lot further than I did. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the highest cricket was kind of my peaking sporting achievement I suppose where I made a few rep teams and that sort of thing um I, I but you know nothing nothing notable I've played with a couple Jacob Warren was um another one who who was um I think I was in my last year of high school and he might have been in his first or second and we were in the same team so yeah, he <laughs> he was always a standout uh performer even even as a as a early teenager um, so my having, having, yeah. having an all-rounder like that in the side helps, obviously, um, bowling and basketball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but you, you obviously you knew pretty early on that you wanted to work in the sports industry because that's what your degree's in uh, up here in, um, when I went up, up in University of Waikato. So, um, and then there's a bit of a gap, according to, to LinkedIn. I've got you, I'm guessing you went for an OE after that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I spent a bit of time... Um, well, I worked for Manukau City Council for a while doing some um, in their recreation sort of area, doing a lot of, I used to teach preschool gymnastics and after school programs and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, bit of a stint at, at Sport Bay of Plenty and then, yeah, a couple of OE kind of periods of time um, through those years as well. Um, always ended up back in some sport role somewhere along the lines, either through council um, or, or various sporting bodies um, over the years. But yeah, so it seems you, yeah, you cut your teeth in leisure centres there over, over in the UK, working uh, in, sort of in in London, getting people down leisure centres, getting people get, getting people active outdoors. Um, I guess grassroots sports, but kind of but not team sports. So individual yeah, sports there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was all about. I, I guess I've whether it's just the way it's worked out, but I've I've always had. Um, I guess a real uh, connection with sport and the benefits that it provides, and wanting to share that with other people. I suppose um, in terms of, you know, there's the health and f- fitness side of things, but I think it's actually more the social connection and um, you know community development that that sport plays. That's kind of important for me. Um, and then you uh, so, and kind of out of no explanation, mm-hmm. we've talked cricket, rugby, we've talked uh, well, football, a bit of rugby. Um, yeah, a bit of gymnastics, and then out of the blue, you decide that um, you'll make a career in bowls for, yeah. for, for yeah. over a decade. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's uh, one of those things that it didn't intend to be like that, but um, that's obviously how how it ended up. I was um, on my way back from from my OE travel with Africa on the way home, and and um, I, I guess a few weeks out from getting home, I thought, oh, I better start looking for a job, and. Um, just happened to be something that was available at the time um, and and they impressed me in what they had to sort of offer etc and so I, I, I took the role and yeah one thing led to another and I was there for, for quite a few years so um, really enjoyed my time with bowls um, you know different sport to what I'd been in before but but equally you know has all the challenges that any other sport um, faces yeah, and so I mean, I've talked to a lot of um, different sports, so whack at armor, snow sports, canoe racing, uh, and bowls is one of those over the last few weeks. And it gets it has an image of being 
a well retired person sport um, and yet me talking to the administration side of it I found them to be one of the most dynamic um, actually administrations out there which, which which surprised me so yeah no they, they are on actually running the sport it's a very yeah it's a very good sport to cut your teeth because I think they do a lot of they, they, they there's a lot of imagination there to try things um, yeah, as well. definitely. And, um, you know, my time there, I really tried to push the envelope, um, introduce different things, different competitions. Um, you know, we ran a, a televised event that hadn't been done before just to try and, you know, change things up a bit. Um, it, it's still primarily a retired person's sport, and that has its challenges in itself when you're trying to drive through change. Not always um, that easy. Um you know, but you get some wins and, and um, you know, try and make a difference. Yep. Um, and also, I guess, um, and we'll probably come on to this as being one of the challenges I think you're going to have with netballers, but the actual clubs with club rooms that can generate some of their own cash and that can actually run themselves um, to a degree. And I guess that's, I say, when we get onto netball, I think that's going to probably be one of your, one of your issues around funding for that. But then, <laughs> six months with archery um as well so yeah into an into now into i guess that's your first olympic sport you're involved with yeah it is and that was um i really enjoyed that six months with archery um great bunch of people to work with uh completely different uh setup in that they had a, a national a very limited national um body i was the first general manager that they'd ever employed um, or contracted. Um, previous to that, it was just volunteer people. Um, no kind of regional setup of any great note and then and then a bunch of clubs. Um, and even then, that the affiliation structure was you as an individual deciding to join or not join Archery New Zealand directly. So there was no, um, well, you know, sort of, formalized structure underneath all that like there would be in, in most other sports so that was different and interesting to deal with um, and and presents uh, a set of challenges that that sport um, faces around um, you know trying to fund itself and and being an Olympic sport you've got people who obviously have desires to, to reach the Olympics um, and that costs a lot of money uh, and so there's a lot of dedication from those archers to self-fund um, get themselves over to to largely Europe, where the where the tournament is, and and sometimes into Asia. Um, so you know those those athletes make massive commitments um, to try and make the Olympics. And and things were looking good for the first time in quite a few years for for New Zealand to be have some archer archers uh, representing New Zealand at the Olympics. And then obviously. Um, you know, hopefully they still do next year, but uh, they've got a bit more time to practice, I guess, and, and um, you know, build their skills and, and try and qualify for, for the um, 2021 now. Yes, and a difference, I say, a different challenge in archery could be that high performance piece. Um, the high performance funding obviously is, is, is linked to success and your medal, medal chances. Uh, so it's kind of like, how do we build up that success to get the funding in the first place? So it's sort of chicken and egg side. And then you were a separate grassroots piece that's quite separate, sort of funding-wise. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and and that's, you know, for a, in New Zealand, a minor sport, it's really challenging. Um, and just to try and break into some of those different funding opportunities, um, 
you know, is, is hard work for that sport. And um, as you say, unless you start winning medals or, or getting in the top, you know, 10 sort of placings on world events, then then the funding set up through high performance sport is not, you know, not available. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's a challenge and you've got to be, those athletes have got to be committed to funding a large chunk of, um, you know, the costs of, of, of getting over to Europe and competing in some of those events to, to test themselves against the world's best to, to improve their own standards. But from a personal point of view, as you say, a blank slate pretty much for you to work with. So fantastic from that challenge, from that point of view. Your first role as a national GM rather than a regional GM. Um, yeah. Again, for, yeah, really exciting personal challenge. Um, yeah, it was. Um, and I guess it, it was only a part-time role and that was, um, you know, from my own personal perspective, I guess a little bit limiting. Um, and so um, hence the reason I, I wasn't there as, as long as I perhaps otherwise would have been. But um, yeah, really enjoyed working at that national level, having that different experience of, of working through into Sport New Zealand directly. Um, you know, and, and and trying to help those athletes achieve on an international stage rather than just a, a local a local regional kind of um, forum. Now, I've got a funny feeling we've got a, a, a fascinating story to come up now in this piece. But when did you apply for the um, CEO role at Northern for the for Northern Zone? Uh, so the process started before Christmas. Um, I was approached to see if I'd be interested in, in putting my name in the hat, and I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds sounds like a good opportunity. I was attracted by, uh, I've always had a, a you know an involvement with netball. With I've got two daughters who play, um, and just I've played indoor netball and, and always followed it. As I said earlier, I'm just a general sports lover, um, but the appeal of of a matching community sport with a semi-professional uh, franchise team was, you know, really appealing to me. Um, so went through the process, you know, lucky enough to get the role started early March. Well, hang on, before we get to the with, starting, um, when, yes. did you, when did you actually get, get sort of, uh, when, when did you actually get told you had the role? Just... Oh, um, would have been late January. So late January. So we're in late January. Yeah. COVID isn't a thing yet. There's some sort of rumours about something happening in China, but hey, from a from a New Zealand point of view, from a, a netball point of view, it's not really a thing yet. We're walking no. in. We're walking into the season as the world champions. Um, everything's looking like, hey, this is our big season. We're going to. We need a big push. We want to make a massive dent this year. What were kind of your goals at that point? Before, well, before they all went to pieces, I guess. Yeah. So for me, it was about. Um, I guess the two aspects to it. One, from a Mystics point of view, I thought, hey, this is a great opportunity. They had a great roster uh, lined up, ready to go. Um, I could see they'd done a lot of work pre-season. They'd had a really successful um, uh, tournament at the Super Club uh, in Nelson in December where they finished second um, to the Australian team that came over, so the top-performing New Zealand team at that tournament. Um, so I thought from that that perspective you know is a great opportunity for for a great season for, for the mystics mm -hmm. and um you know i thought hey there's a real opportunity here to to make a difference off the back of the of the nipple world cup um grassroots sport young people are going to be interested in getting into netball and so i for, thought for what the, a great so time did you, did you have kind of like okay 
Mystics, we're going to want to, we, we, with that, we, with that win, with all these positions, we're looking at sort of increasing our crowd numbers by 30% or 20% or uh, did you have a kind of, right, we've got a growth goal there um, around sort of Mystics fan base? Yeah, yeah, I didn't have, and I mean, my, in my personal mind before starting, I didn't have sort of specific numbers around yep. that, but certainly that was that was a key part of what what you know we were hoping to achieve. Um, crowd numbers had you know sort of dwindled in in previous years for various reasons, and so you know I thought here's here's we've got a we've got potential here this season, and and what can I do to try and um, enhance what we're doing to attract more. Uh, spectators, more fan engagement, etc. You know, and um, and they were the sort of the conversations that I led off with with various people. You know, when I first started the role. So, um, yeah. So, so that's yeah. so. So, so once I were looking at yeah, but, um, successful performance season, but also successful uh, yeah fan base engagement season, and then on the grassroots side. Yeah, grassroots is really. I guess first and foremost, the numbers game in terms of trying to get more um, young girls, but boys as well, into playing netball, um, really supporting the the clubs and centres that that at grassroots level that really get stuck in and, and provide those the ability for people to play, um, and and the zones role. With, to support that structure and and to try and boost the number of people and and the appeal of the sport, um, you know, across the different parts of the region. Um, so, so where, where does your zone reach? How far down does it reach? So we're from basically the top of the North Island down to um, Pukekohe, Waiuku, sort of in the in the southern part of of Auckland. Um, so that so there's 17 centres um, that run the grassroots netball across that region yep. and then below that um, Wai- Waikato Bay Plenty take over in the next part of the country. And so in, in that 17, those 17 centres they engage with the various um, sort of secondary schools and primary schools in the area as well or, or is that a or do you yeah. themselves? No, so they, they have a role to play with, with that, yes. So it's uh, I guess netball slightly different structure and it's sort of a four tier but, but, but it but the facility base is through the centres. Mm-hmm. Uh, clubs, most clubs are more or less a virtual kind of entity where they don't have their own, some do, but generally speaking, they don't have their own facilities. Um, you know, they come and they set themselves up, organised teams come in and play their games at, at the local centre um, and, then, and then go away again. Um, so slightly different model compared to other sports where it's the club um, has sort of a facility, you know, more of a facility base if you compare it to a rugby or cricket or, or you know, that sort of thing. Or bowls. Um, yeah, the, bowls, uh, <laughs> correct, yeah. Um, the, uh, so so I, I've talked with um, with Volleyball New Zealand and they talk about having to sort of use council facilities and um, and trying to get sent, and trying to get enough courts in a place to hold a tournament. Um, so you, you've, you've decided to, so you actually have your own facilities that aren't council owned that you you own yourselves and that are all um so you can have any the the size you can afford kind of thing um yeah no not no that the facilities are largely um council owned or or some other kind of um community set up i'm not aware of anyone that sort of owns the land as such um but they tend to be uh reasonably well set aside for netball 
um, particularly the outdoor courts anyway, through, you know, through through the winter season. And then quite often they might have a have a, a, um, a relationship with um, other sports, tennis, for example, where tennis might come in and use the courts, you know, through the summer season type thing. Um, so that so the facilities tend to be, you know, reasonably um, they- exclusive for, for netball through that winter season. So no, no fights. So because over in the uh, UK, you'd be fighting with um, uh, five side football um, for a, for a lot of that, for example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not quite. And I guess a lot of the outdoor courts are still, and and this is a you know another uh, subject to work through at some point. That's still largely sort of your concrete based. Um, you know, so I don't know if the five side guys want to get their knees torn up um, on some of those. Um, you know, courts that the, that the netballers play. Uh, and certainly the indoor space is a lot more um, like it would be for volleyball and basketball. You know, the indoor space is a lot more f- um, contested. Uh, and so netball has to, um, you know, get in, get in the queue for that along with those other sports. Yep, yep. Um, the, uh, just a kind of thought that's wrong to mind, you might want to put large canopies over the top just to keep the rain off. But anyway... <laughs> Love to. If you can find us a pot of gold, we'll, we'll be into that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so those are your goals. I say yeah, some of the challenges around that sort of. So, um, do you see? Uh, so from a from a centre point of view, to start off with, um, obviously, obviously less less use with the COVID uh, impacts. Any any concerns around the finances there for the uh, for the for the centres um, out of this, or, or uh, do you think or being cancelled? council or community run that they're going to be probably pretty stable yeah that i guess it's a bit of a mixture um some because of the way they've kind of operated in the previous years have have got reasonable amount of reserves and so they're a little bit protected whilst they've had a loss of income they're a little bit protected others not so much so it's so it is quite a a case-by-case basis with the centers um and there's you know definitely an impact across everybody, all the centres, in that, you know, we haven't been able to play. This would normally be right in the heart of, of a netball season. Um, you know, and whilst there's plans in place to get things underway, that hasn't happened yet. Um, and so there's, you know, a definite loss of income um, f- for the netball system. Um, and centres are feeling that um, at the moment. Um, we have a mix of uh, you know, purely voluntary organisations that run the netball through to some of the bigger centres that, that will have several staff employed. And so obviously there's different impacts depending on, you know, how they're structured. Um, but but no one's been left out, if you like, of the, of the impact of, of, you know, what's happening without um, being able to play uh, netball through, you know, what would normally be um, April, May, you know, real stuck into the middle of a season. Talking with Cameron Bell up at who's the, the Northland Rugby um, CEO, and he was saying that one, one of their problems of kind of juggling the season or pushing back the season is going to be the, for, for their grassroots team. Is obviously they're going to be comp- end up competing with cricket, etc. For, for 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 those grass pitches. It sounds like you'll be able to shift your season later and not have so, uh, as much contention issues, and should be able to. So you, you can sort of take your whatever the how long the season is, what three or four months, and say right, and so just physically move it by three months or, or will you have to actually rearrange everything yeah that's 
we're reasonably lucky in that regard. So, so most will be able to shift. Like a normal winter season would finish in sort of um, August, um, but then that would follow up with some kind of representative play and different tournaments at secondary school level, etc., that are held through sort of September. Right. A lot of those tournaments have now been cancelled for the year. Um, the the national club championship type events, national secondary schools, national under-18s. Um, and then the flow-on from that underneath that is various regional tournaments are then cancelled. So we're, we're able to shift the normal club season into that September window where that type of thing would traditionally have been played. Um, so what we're hoping is that by if we can start by sort of mid-June, we'll be able to run through and there's always exceptions to this, but run through to the end of September um, or the end of term three from a school point of view. Um, and so they'll get still get a 10 to 12 week um, kind of winter season versus probably a, a 14 to 18 week would be normal. So they'll still get, um, it'll still be a reduced season for most, um, but all things considered, still a reasonable length um, season to be played. So whilst, yeah, so whilst there's an impact, there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, yeah, and I, it's good to see. I don't know whether I'm being optimistic, but that's <laughs> certainly where I, where I sit at the moment is, um, you know, that, that everything's tracking for us to have a, a, a reasonably length season um, and, you know, hopefully um, lessen the impact um, of, of the COVID situation. And then, for the actual clubs, as you say, they don't actually, they don't, they're, they're really groups of people rather than having physical infrastructure. So the actual clubs themselves should be able to weather. weather yeah, weather. I would have thought so. Um, there are clubs that do have, you know, some, some physical facilities and stuff. A lot of them, um, you know, might be attached to a local rugby club or something like that. Yep. Um, and so they've they sort of fall under that. It's probably more the rugby club that owns the facilities, et cetera, or manages them. And then there's a netball club associated with that. Um, there are some standalone netball clubs too, but yeah, by and large, because it's groups of people, um, they should be able to weather the, the storm fairly well. That's very good. Um, so then, yeah, let's move on to then the, the, the Northern Mystics. We, we've obviously had that one game um, at uh, the, uh, the, the beginning of the season where you beat Northern Stars 55-59. So you started off the right way and sat third in the table after one round. Um, yeah, the... <laughs> well, I'm pleased to say I'm undefeated as a CEO of a uh, you know semi-professional sports team. <laughs> um, so we've obviously we've been told the uh, the, the, the return date, but um, there's been no news yet around the rest of the schedule. Uh, are we are we expecting to see basically the, the full schedule, or is, or is it going to be trimmed down? Uh, and will that first game be included? Do we know? Uh, yep. So the first game, the first game is being included. I'm I'm pleased to to say, since because of it, you know, we had that great win. So uh, yes, that will be included. Um, the intention is to is to run um, the full season out, um, and that that draw is due for release very soon. Um, just some final bits and pieces being worked through at the moment, but the intention is to is to run a full um, three round competition. Um, over a 10-week period, um, all in one venue at the Auckland Netball Centre, um, you know, with with all the precautions that that are required uh, requ required in the current environment. 
Cool. So yes, yeah, so the nineteenth of June, folks, is, um, is is when it's back, and I'm assuming that all games are going to be on Sky, uh, for people to watch. But yep. Yep. No, so no, no, um, people, no people actually allowed at the venue to watch it. No, no one at the venue. Uh, so a lot of restrictions around there. I don't even think I'll get to go. I'll be watching on Sky as well. Um, Sky Sport Three is the, is the home of netball, um, and so those games. Um, Every every week, I think it's either four or five games um, across Friday through Monday um, in the evening. So you know there'll be plenty of netball viewing um, through June, July, August. Um, so there you go, folks. You've got you've got that. We've got the uh, the NBL coming back five nights a week as well, and then also Super Rugby on your Saturday and Sunday afternoons. So um, yeah, get in front of the box over the weekend because there's going to be plenty of sport for you to watch um, and to. Uh, and to enjoy, um, and, and for us actually to talk about on New Zealand Sport Radio, finally, at last, rather than just talking about what might happen. Um, the, so how have you been engaging with, your, with, with, with the Mystic supporters um, whilst you've not been playing? Have you, uh, what, have you been having sort of various Facebook challenges or, or Twitter or Snapchat? What's, what, what, what's your, kind of your main channel and how have you been talking to them? Yeah, so our, our I guess, three... Uh, Social media obviously plays an important part in that, and, and our main use there is through uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, and we've done various, um, you know, different chat sessions, videos, competitions, um, all the different ways to try and <clears throat> engage with the fan base, keep them up to date with what the team's been up to, what they, what kind of training that the you know the players have, have been doing by themselves initially, and and. Um, now this week they're allowed to to um, get back and train together as a team uh, for the first time, which is exciting for them. Um, and then we <clears throat> obviously direct contact with our with our member base uh, through emails and that sort of thing to, to you know to, to keep them up to date with everything that's been going on as best we can. Um, and trying to, <clears throat> I guess the if I take the <clears throat> excuse me take the positives it's been trying to think differently how you know what can we do to to um, uh, engage with with our fans to expand that fan base and to to let them know what the mystics are up to um, <clears throat> no home games for us this season uh, you know ha- what what does that mean and how can we how can we keep people engaged through the season when they you know can't turn up and, and support in person so it's it's been challenging and we're still working through some of those things um you know but but there's also been some really positives come out of all of this as well so have you um as you, as you say perhaps potentially been able to grow your your your, your, your social media fan base um have, have, have you seen that uh, more engagement with people sort of being sat at home with nothing to do uh, yeah, a little bit. I have, to be honest, I haven't looked at the numbers to see whether we've we've had a spike there or not. Um, I, so you've prompted me to do that. I better go and have a look. Um, you know, but we've we've had a, a a reasonably well engaged fan base for a while, but but definitely love to get more. And um, you know, in a in a normal situation, we would be looking to to get them in and you know buying tickets to come to the home games and and watch the Mystics in person. So. Um, obviously can't do that this season. Um, and so, you know, that, that fan engagement becomes even more important, um, you know, through those social channels. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and has it been mainly as, as part of the sort of Mystics brand or have you been also looking at uh, running sort of training sessions for, for the grassroots people saying, hey, here's how you can keep your netball going during the, uh, uh, during the lockdown? 
Yeah, so through through the the um, Netball Northern um, social, I guess channels, we 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 cover off the the. I mean, both do it, but and Netball New Zealand have have come in behind with things like the Netfit um, Netfit programming, which which provides um, opportunities for people to you know look at fitness videos and how to train and that sort of stuff specific for netball, so that. Um, people can watch those, follow along, get them, get in and do their, their different training drills, how you can um, train for netball, you know, in the early days of lockdown, how you could train by yourself, um, what different skills you could do to, to hone your skills um, when you're on your own. And then as things have loosened up, we've been able to, um, you know, get back on with some online coaching videos, umpiring videos from that side of thing to keep people um, upskilled Um and then as we, you know, move closer to, to being able to have that sort of in-person training, you know, how does training have to be different? What do you have to do around your hygiene protocols, your contact tracing, all that sort of stuff to enable um, a safe practices to be, you know, to, to be undertaken and then and keep everyone safe as they, as they get back into those um, group training sessions. Um, you know, so we've been doing a lot of work with Netball New Zealand with all our centres around you know that side of things to um, make it as clear as possible, um, so that everyone understands what's required, and they can and they can get back on court and, and really enjoy their netball. Cool. Um, so I'm going to jump around a bit here. You, you mentioned a few times that uh, the the Mystics are a semi-professional team, um, which basically means that the the, the the athletes are sort of contracted for that window uh, and paid to play, but paid to be kind of pretty much full time during the actual window of the of the ANZ Premiership, but then outside of that, they can they either are studying, have a job, etc. With that window having shifted, um, have any of your athletes had a problem that they that, uh, that sort of impacts their jobs and not being able to so they can't continue and going to have to miss out in the season, or have they all managed to uh, make yeah. up arrangements? Um, yeah, no, so far so good in that in that regard. In that regard, it's not quite like that in that the window the the players um can continue to work throughout the year so um the training schedules that that are in place for the teams um are such that it allows the players to continue working on a on a part-time basis throughout the year so or, or study for that matter um and so you know, there's, for example, there's restrictions around training between nine and four on certain days of the week, so that people can have, you know, a sort of a day job, if you like. Um, and so that that model, I guess, continues even with the extension of the season into into August, when it would normally finish in July. Um, you know, it's not like we say you, you're purely netball and mystics um, for for a three month period, and you can't do anything else. It, it continues, you know, throughout the year um, in terms of what what they can do. Obviously, at the end of the season, they can ramp up their work hours and and you yep. know get stuck into more. So, um, and, and there is an impact from a study point of view. A number of players were looking to do full time study, you know, from that um, second half of a university year, for example. Um, Whereas they might have been doing part time in the first half of the year, second half of the year they'll go into full time. So there might have to be some uh, bit of juggling around for some people to try and fit netball that's still going um, at that time of year. Okay, so so all so, but all the players have managed to yeah, juggle their different demands to, to to keep playing, which is good news. Um, yeah. On on, yeah. on on the whole. 
Um, and the final piece that we don't kind of often talk about or think about is sort of is that referee development. Um, how much effort does do, do you I mean, or do do you do it or is that controlled centrally or and, and how much effort and time does that take are you putting into your referees and the next generation referees? Um, yeah, fair. But so we have a or umpires in, in this case Sorry. in netball. Uh, <laughs> so we have a um, an umpire development um, officer who whose role is is around the development of the, of you know in that umpire space. And they liaise through to um, Netball New Zealand's national umpire development um, person. Um, and so there's a, a good structure in place there to provide um, those umpiring, um, you know, upskilling opportunities to encourage new people into umpiring. Um, and, and, you know, right through, so that right through down to the, you know, the young the young kids starting out have have some level of, of umpires generally like most sports, you start with with a parent and and you know and then or an older sibling or someone that that umpires and then and then as you get up through the ranks, you start to get you know um, properly trained and, and qualified umpires um, and then obviously through into the the ANZ where where they um, you know have all the all the skills required to to take it on at that level. Now in in recent years, we've seen that sort of rugby, football globally have started to have full-time professional umpires at the very, very top. Uh, are the international umpires for netball are they are they full-time? Or are they still uh, having to juggle? No, it's it's um, it's very uh, still. You know, a, a netball is still largely a pretty amateur sport, um, and and umpires, I guess, fall into that category. They get they get support for what they do but you know they're all um will have their own day job so to speak um and their netball uh, umpiring on the side um we'd love to get to that position at you know at some stage um but it but it, it you know but like the the semi-professional nature of the players it would be great to be able to to offer them more and have them more involved um you know, but we've got to be mindful of the financial situation of the sport and be careful about how, um, you know, we how we do things, um, particularly now with the massive uh, financial impact that that uh, COVID nineteen has had on the sport. Um, you know, and that may change the model going forward. We're just going to have to work that through and and see what what's going to be best for the sport moving forward. Um, now, I've talked to some of the. Uh, Rugby provinces, uh, and we've seen it in the news that uh, obviously the New Zealand rugby having to some what uh, it looks like they're making about half their staff redundant. Um, how have uh, how is the, the the northern zone financially? Oh, oh, sorry, also with the the central zone. Um, I think it was into voluntary redundancy. Uh, uh, main, mainland. Sorry, mainland zone went to went to um, uh, voluntary redundancy. How how is uh, how is the north zone set up financially? How have you managed to cope with with all this yeah it's certainly been tough there's no getting around that um you know if we had to very early on make some tough decisions around um cancelling a number of um contractors that we had um doing various roles on a on a part-time you know in a sort of contract basis um so we had to we had to um put an end to those unfortunately We've, um, you know, all the all the staff have been on on reduced pay throughout this period, um, you know, and so that, and they've been just brilliant with their um, attitude and, and continued uh, investment in what they do to provide the support um, despite 
you know, doing it for, for less money in effect. Um, you know, so it's been it's been a challenge to, to work through that. The support from government has been, you know, helpful in terms of the wage subsidy that we've been able to to get. Um, the announcement that the government made last week uh, or on Sunday, I think it was, on the $265 million investment in sport. Um, you know, we get to see how that's going to roll out, but that will hopefully uh, provide some, you know, benefit longer term. Um and there's been other little bits and pieces of funding that have been available to help us offset, um, you know, some of the decline. But I'd I'd say for for the financial year, it's probably going to be a thirty percent, thirty to forty percent hit on our revenue, you know, for the year. Um, and as a non-profit, we can't afford to take that. We can't afford to lose, you know, that level of money. So we've got to cut out cut our expenses expenses to to be able to hopefully have a have a break-even sort of situation at the end of the financial year. Right. Um, so you don't have a uh, – so you're, you're not allowed – as a non-profit, are you allowed to build up a, a rainy day fund or a reserve fund? Or? Yeah, we are. Um, unfortunately, we, over the years, for, for various reasons, that hasn't happened. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, that, that hasn't helped and that our, our reserve base is just not there to sort of fall back on. Um, and so that's certainly the intention, you know, from here on is to chip away at that and, and you know, make small profits each year so that over a period of time we can start to build some reserves um, back up again. So if something like this, touch wood, never happens, but if it did, you know, we're in a better position to weather the storm next time around than, than what's happened this time. Cool. Um, yeah, well, thank you very much for that. Is there any sort of messages from... Uh, the Northern Zone or the Mystics that I've, uh, that, I've that I've not sort of uh, uh, picked up on yet or, 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 or drawn out from you? Well, no, I just say, uh, you know, if you're interested in, in getting involved in netball, then please do. The season will be starting soon from a, you know, at a grassroots um, level. So get down to your local club and centre and get involved. And, and you know, if uh, Auckland base, get in behind and support the Mystics and, and obviously the other franchises um you know through when the anz premiership starts uh in a few weeks time yeah and look it's uh one of the things you kind of touched on at the very beginning is that you said you've you've you, you played netball as well look it's not just a female sport there's um uh, guys can play as well so, so do get in touch with uh about getting uh, about getting uh, playing if you want to be a guy you can get involved either as a player as a coach as a umpire or um or even just as a social secretary for your uh, for your for your club, there's there's lots of roles that clubs will need help with over these next uh, over these next few months. So yeah, do get down um, and get involved. Thank you very much for your time, Phil. Everybody, um, please do like our Facebook page, New Zealand Sports Radio. Uh, if you prefer to listen, then search for New Zealand Sports Radio on your favourite podcatcher. We're on iTunes, um, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of those wonderful places. And uh, join us for the next long talk. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.